Sisters and brothers, I greet you in the name of our risen and living Lord Jesus Christ. Where is he? Oh, there he is. There you are. You can run, but you can't hide. (laughs) John, let me begin by reminding you and reminding all of us that what we do here this evening is not about you. This is, of course, a long-awaited day in your life, a long-desired moment in the journey into Christ that you have made up to this point. It is surely a great day of joy for your family, your parents, your wife and children, your friends, and indeed for all of the church, all those who have nurtured you over many years. But in the end, it's not about you. Today's liturgy is about the church, that wonderful and sacred mystery of the risen Christ. Now, getting to this day has been all about the church. That's why the church takes so much time, spends so much money, and prays unceasingly in the meantime. Because what we do here this evening is about the church's very life. From the very beginning... The church has set apart by prayer and the laying on of hands persons for the holy orders of the church. We have set apart bishops, deacons, and priests. Such persons are set apart, ordained, we say, not because they are in some sense more special than any other member of the baptized not because they have gifts and talents that burn brighter than the folks in the pew, not because they are in any sense more holy or more more profoundly religious than the people who sit before them Sunday after Sunday. By contrast, we ordain persons to holy orders who have in some ways that are not always easy to explain, a particular call upon their lives to be the public servants of the gospel in particular times and in particular places. And that, my dear friend, is why we are here this evening. Because both your life, John, And for some years now in the life of the church, for reasons that we cannot entirely explain, the church believes that there is a call upon your life to be a public servant of the gospel of Jesus. What we ask of you, John, is not really all that different from what we ask of the church and all of its members, each and every faithful soul that have passed through the waters of salvation. John, you are to be a person of prayer, to spend time daily in the presence of God, pouring out the desires and hopes of your own heart and listening. Yes, listening to the gentle and sometimes not so gentle promptings 
of the Holy Spirit. But that's really no different than what we ask of all of our members. John, you're to be a lifelong student of the Scriptures. You are to study for preaching and teaching, of course, but also to spend time with the Scriptures for the sake of your soul alone. To be nourished and fed on the bread of life. But that's no different from what we ask of all of our members. John, you are to live before the world a devoted and holy life, to be a wholesome example after the pattern of Christ for all who see you, all who hear you, all who know you, all who come in contact with you. When we look at your life and when we look at your relationships and when we look at how you spend your time and do all the things that you do, we should be able to see Christ made visible in the way you live your life. But that's no different from what we ask of all of our members. And John, you are to use your physical resources that God has given you for the building up of the family of God, that the hungry might be fed, that the naked might be clothed, that the poor might have their dignity restored. But that's no different either from what we ask of all of our members. So you see, John, what we ask of you is not all that different from what we ask of each other. So you might be asking why we go through all this. What makes your life and ministry, John, different from the rest of the baptized? Well, the answer is this. In holy baptism, each and every one of us is set apart to the ministry of Christ as baptized servants of the risen one. In ordination, the church calls and sets apart some of us for the public ministry of the church. And that, dear friend, is the principal distinction between the vocation of the baptized and the vocation of the ordained. It is not the only distinction to be sure, but it is the principal distinction. The ordained are called to the public ministry of Christ's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And that also points, John, why this ordination liturgy at the end of the day is not really about you, but about the church. Listen carefully. On this day, the church, dear friend, makes you a presbyter. Today, the church declares you to be an elder. Not by age or wisdom or experience, but an elder by vocation. A person called apart to call together the church. Let me go over that one more time. A person called apart to call together the church. 
As a priest in the church, John, your ministry is to call the people of God together for prayer, for worship, for hearing the word in the public assembly, for the receiving the sacraments of the resurrection. You were to call them together for the purpose of sending them out into the world to be servants of Christ in their homes, in their workplaces, in their neighborhoods, wherever they may go. You were to call them together and feed them with the bread of life for the purpose of sending them out to feed the hungry and to care for God's poor. You are to call them together and name them the family of God for the purpose of sending them out to seek the stranger, to find the lost, to shelter the homeless, and to comfort and befriend those who are alone. John, the church dares to ordain you a presbyter this evening because we believe that you have the special charisms of the Holy Spirit to be a caller, to be a gatherer, to be a welcomer, to be an inviter, to be a servant who understands his ministry as one who gathers the church around Christ to accomplish the church's public business so that when the church scatters into the world, her members will be strong in faith, vigorous in service, united in their passions to serve a risen Savior. Some years ago, I had the privilege of attending a clergy conference in Canada. And the speaker of our clergy conference that year was a woman by the name of Catherine de Hike Doherty. Now, that's probably not a household name in these precincts. But there are many who think of her as one of the great Christian mystics of the 20th century. And I shall never, John, forget the heart of her message. She said to the clergy that so much of what people receive in these days for the living of their lives, both in the church and beyond, is not really what people need. It does not touch them deep down in their souls. You are priests, she said. You are priests. Don't give us psychology. Don't give us sociology. Don't give us anthropology. For God's sake, don't even give us theology. Give us God. That's what we need. You are priest. Give us God. Well, John, my dear brother in Christ, that is surely the most important thing that I could say to you today. You are priest. Give us God. In your preaching and your teaching, in your sacramental celebrations of holy baptism and holy Eucharist, in your pastoral care, in all that you do, 
give us God. Because in the end, that's all we need. And in the end, that's all that matters. Give us God, John. Give us God.